0: So this morning, David asked me, I got here a little early and he, he said, uh, so are you ready? And, and I said, well, I suppose that, that depends on what you mean. I, I think my job is to look really bad so that David and Matt look really, really good. <laughs> That's my job, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, how long are you going to go? And I, and I said, well, I guess that depends on how much I forget to say. Um, <clears throat> but... In all seriousness, um, praise to God. God is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword, separating bone from marrow. His word never comes back void. Once his word goes out, it bears fruit, and it bears good fruit. And with that in mind, oh, there it is. Um, See David, Matt, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) with that in mind, we have a lot of God's word to get through today. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I put this up here, so if you want to take notes or if you want to, you know, bookmark stuff, you can. Um, Also, I want to say an apology for Kate and the kids. They really wanted to be here with us today, but they could not because we have strep throat and we have influenza A going through the house and we've been citing sickness for a couple of months and it's been, it's been a challenge. But they wanted to be here, but they didn't want to share what we have. So there's that. Um, and David, a couple of weeks ago, you were up here giving a message and you said that you were taught that every message... Should begin with a joke. He's laughing. Every message should begin with a joke, um, and I talked to my nine-year-old Hannah about that, and she said, well, "Can you use my joke?" She made up a joke a couple of years ago, um, a few years ago, and it's knock knock joke. And since David, you said it has to start with a joke, you have to do the response. Okay. Knock knock. knock, knock. <laughs> Let's try this again. Knock knock. <laughs> Sheep in reverse. What? Sheep in reverse. I'm just backing up. <laughs> okay, one more. You couldn't hear me? Okay. One more. Knock, knock. Little old lady. Little old lady. I didn't know you could yodel. Okay. Those are Hannah's favorite jokes, and she'll be really happy that I that I shared them with you guys today. Um, Jesting aside, we are very blessed here at Blessed Hope. Um, Not just because of the name. We're very blessed. We have not just one pastor, but we have two pastors. Two pastors who love the Lord. Two pastors who are extremely talented. Two pastors who honor and respect the authority of the Word of God. And I've been in more than one place. I know that's not true everywhere. Um... Also, we have a community of believers here that is a great cloud of witnesses. We have a community of believers that love the Lord, that are excited about growing in our personal relationship with Jesus. We have a community that is excited to welcome new people, like Kate and I were not too many years ago. And I think we're very blessed. Um, Moving on. Oh no. <laughs> Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is no other. Isaiah 45:22 English Standard Version. Look to me and be saved all you ends of the earth for I am God and there is no other. Isaiah 45:22 New King James Version. And I included them both. One says turn, one says look. And they say different things to me. When I read turn, I read action. I read, I'm turning away from this, and I'm turning to this. When I read look, I read trust. Trust in me. Look to me. Trust in me. I think we need both to understand what God has for us today. Um... We have four questions that we're going to talk about today and I think these questions help us to understand better what God means when he says, turn to me and be saved. First question, what does God mean by be saved? What does he mean by salvation? Second question, do we have examples of others who have turned or looked to God in the scriptures? that can show us what that looks like. Third question, what does it mean to turn or look to God? What does it mean? Fourth question, what does this mean for the way that we live our lives today? Oh, man. I'm sorry, Philip. That really is small. That's tiny print. I didn't mean to make it that small. I also didn't mean for this to get in my way. Thus says the Lord, The wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sabaeans, men of stature, shall come over to you and be yours. They shall follow you. They shall come over in chains and bow down to you. They will plead with you, saying, Surely God is in you, and there is no other, no God beside him. Truly you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. All of them are put to shame and confounded. The makers of idols go in confusion together. But Israel is saved by the Lord with everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity. To understand the first question, what does God mean by salvation? We back up a little bit. We read the context from Isaiah 45. We go from verse 22 to verse 14. Thus says the Lord, the wealth of Egypt, the merchandise of Cush, I give to you. He's telling the the Israelites, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your physical needs. Sounds like he's saying, I'm going to make you rich. I don't think he's saying that to us, but he is saying, I'm going to take care of your physical needs. Verse 17, but Israel is saved by the Lord with everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity. So one, he's telling the Israelites, I'm going to take care of you. If you look to me, if you turn to me, your needs will be met. Two, he's saying to the Israelites, you have another need for redemption, for eternal redemption. Your body is not eternal. So we know he's, this is spiritual here, right? He's saying eternal redemption. Our first question is answered. The first two questions are pretty easy. They'll go quick. What does God mean by salvation? He means he's going to take care of us physically here and now. He means he's going to take care of our spiritual redemption. I really meant that to be bigger. I was going to read it off the screen, but I can't. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Excuse me. I think this is a pretty good example of somebody who has turned to God. God. And I don't think that he's buying his salvation. He gave up half of what he has, plus more, because he's saying, I'm going I'm to make right whatever I've done wrong. I don't think he's buying his salvation. And we'll get into that in a little bit. I think what he is doing is he is saying, I'm not trusting in my wealth anymore. And my wealth doesn't have the first place in my heart anymore. I'm placing my trust in God. I think that's the heart of the matter that we're talking about today. It's a matter of the heart. Who has, what has, first place in our heart. What is most important to us. We're going to look at another example. And it's tiny. And I feel really bad. Luke 18, 22. Still in Luke. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have, and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God those who who heard it said then who can be saved but he said with what is impossible with man is possible with god and peter said see we have left our homes and followed you and he said to them truly i say to you there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of god who will not receive Many times more in this time and in the age to come. Eternal life. We have a contrast here. The first story was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus gave up half of what he had. He volunteered it. He said, Lord, look, I'm not trusting in this anymore. I'm trusting in you. This man didn't offer up what he had. This man said, what do I need to do? And Jesus said, I'll tell you what you need to do. Give up what you have and follow me and he didn't say give up half of what you have he said give up all of what you have and there's a temptation to think that this is about money but it's not about money because we know that God made all the gold and silver in the earth he doesn't need our money he wants us he wants our heart he wants to be what's most important to us And he is saying to this ruler, you have a problem. Your wealth is the problem. Your wealth stands between you and me because you trust in your wealth and you don't trust in me. He's saying, get rid of that thing that's standing between us. Get rid of that thing that keeps you from trusting in me and follow me. See, that's the problem with writing down a message. Like if you don't write it down, then you lose your place and you're like, oh man, I can't get back. And if you do write it down, then you feel like you're tied to it and it's like, (laughs) excuse me while I read this thing. Um, We know that God is jealous for us. We can cross off the second question. Do we have examples of others in the scriptures who have turned to Christ? Yes, we have examples in the scriptures of others who have turned to Christ. Now the harder questions. What does it mean to turn or to look to God? And we've already started to answer that. Looking at Zacchaeus and looking at the young ruler, that gives us a pretty good glimpse at what this means. We're going to go... I have to find it in here because I can't read it on the screen. Next time I'm going to let Philip make the slides so that they're readable. Um, there we go. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. I broke it. The remote's turning off. It's not lighting up. Matt and David, you guys are right. <laughs> this thing is junk. We might have to go without the slides. Unless Philip can just advance them for us. <laughs> Next one. Proverbs 3, five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. God's telling us, through what we've read today so far, he's telling us he's going to take care of us. He's telling us he's going to provide for us physically. He's telling us he's going to provide for our spiritual security as well, our need for spiritual redemption that we cannot accomplish on our own. There's a temptation here. There's a temptation if we read through what we just read in Matthew and we read through Luke and there was a transfer of of wealth. He said, get rid of all your stuff to Luke, or in Luke, not to Luke, to the ruler. He said, get rid of all your stuff. And then in Matthew, he's saying, don't worry about how you're going to eat. Don't worry about how you're going to drink or what you're going to wear or where you're going to live. And so the temptation, and I think a lot of people fall for this temptation, is to think that this is about money. To say, hey, the Bible says the root of evil is in money. So I can't have anything and serve the Lord. So I guess I'm going to go be homeless now because, I mean, right? So there's a temptation there and people have gone, people have fallen for it. I mean, there are people who are very sincere in their faith and who have given up everything that they have and they put on a funny looking outfit and they call themselves a monk and they're saying I can't have anything and follow Jesus I have to get rid of everything I th- I think we miss the point if we go there. I think I think we miss the point badly because if I'm living on the street why have a job because I I don't need money because money's bad. and money's going to lead me away from the Lord, right? So now I don't have a job. So now I'm dependent on other people to provide everything I need, right? And what if they don't work? Well, then who's going who's to plant the crops, right? Where's the food going to come from? We're all going to eat nuts and berries. I don't think that's what God has in mind for us. We're going to go to Proverbs. He's already got it. He's good. We're going to go to Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Second Thessalonians, man, you're good. Second Thessalonians three ten through 12. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. you're going to skip that slide. Thank you. So we go back to Matthew chapter 6. And we focus on verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This is the key. This is the key to what we're talking about today to understanding what does it look like to turn to God? What does it look like to look to God? and be saved. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I think it's clear we read from Proverbs we read from Second Thessalonians God's word does not uh, what's the word does not contradict itself. God does not contradict himself in saying, hey, I'm going to take care of you. And then over here he says, but if you don't work, you don't eat. He doesn't contradict himself. He explains himself. And he says, yes, I'm going to take care of you. No, that doesn't mean you're going to sit at home and wait for me to pay your mortgage and put food on your table. You're going to do stuff. Um, I created you to work. Even more so, I created you to be in relationship with me. I want you to be in relationship with me. I want what is most important to me to be most important to you. And that is, God created us for relationship. That's why solitary confinement is such a horrible, horrible punishment. Because we're not created to be alone. We're created to be in relationship. But not just with each other. We're created to be in relationship with our Creator. God is saying, get your priorities straight. This is what it means to turn or look to Jesus. I think you can go to the next slide. This is what it means to turn or to look to God. It means we get our priorities straight. God gets the first place. And our house, and our car, and our money, and our comfort, and our food, and all the other things that we place YouTube. This is probably the most convicting message that I have ever ever put together for me personally. And last night, I got rid of my YouTube account. I completely deleted it. And all the videos that I was planning to watch, because God was saying to me as I was preparing this message, he said, yeah, you're not putting me first. You like to be entertained. Too much. And so I felt like God was saying to me, if you're gonna if you're gonna give this message to others, you better get your heart right with me, first. Make me first, not this other stuff, and it can be something small, like I say YouTube is small. It's not. It's addictive. Um, it can be. It can be other things too. Um, we have a couple more examples of people who have not yet of people who have, that's okay, you leave it, of people who have turned to God. When Gideon followed God's command and pared down his army from 32,000 to 10,000, and again from 10,000 to 300 before confronting an enemy army, which Judges 8.10 tells us was more than 130,000, he wasn't trusting in the strength of his army. He was getting his priorities straight. God said, this is what you're going to do, and he trusted God. When Joshua marched around the city of Jericho for seven days, I bet he thought, this is going to look really goofy to the people on my side and to the people on the other side. Because I'm not building siege works, we're just walking. And then at the end, we're going to yell really loud and blow some trumpets. But he trusted God's word. God's word came to him and said, do this. Trust me. He trusted God's word. He didn't trust in what he thought he knew about military strategy or whatever else. The reason why we're talking about physical stuff so much right now is because I think that the physical care that God has for us mirrors the spiritual care. What God wants for us physically mirrors what he wants for us spiritually. We're going to go to James 2, 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And I think this is important. God never intended that we would say to ourselves, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and then go on and live like we had never heard the good news. Just like physically, God tells us, I'm going to take care of you, trust me. And be content with what I give you. But you are going to have to work. He says, spiritually, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to redeem you. But it doesn't stop there. There's work that needs to be done. The biggest thing is he's saying, get your priorities straight. What's important to me needs to be important to us. And that is our relationship with him. The first thing is our relationship with him. And then comes all the other things. Click. What does, what does this mean for the way we live? I think this, this is what it means. Is we trust in God. We work But we trust in God. And Jesus says, My yoke is light. My burden is light because it's free of all that anxiety that comes with how am I going to whatever. Let's recap what we've talked about today. What God means by salvation is not just spiritual, it is physical. He means we are to trust Him to take care of us, to take care of our spiritual need for rescue and to take care of our physical needs. There are multiple examples in Scripture of others who have come before us who have shown us what it looks like or what it doesn't look like to trust in God. Turning or looking to God means trusting in God, but it also means prioritizing Him and making our relationship with Him more important than anything else. This means that we choose to live in a way that does not place more importance on the things that were created than we do on the one that created those things. We've also learned that salvation does not negate the importance of our work or works, rather it highlights the importance of our actions. And specifically the act of turning to God and trusting to him, trusting in him, choosing the things that are pleasing to him over everything else and I want to leave us with one last thing you can switch to the next slide George Mueller and I'm going to have to read this one George Mueller is an example of somebody who's not in the scriptures who turned and looked to God for salvation, for help he lived from 1805 To 1898, in his life he established five orphanages. Not one, but five. With the capacity to house over 2,000 children at a time. And by the time of his death at the age of 92, over 10,000 children had been helped in his orphanages. All without asking anybody but God for financial help. And without ever going into debt. He also went on to be a missionary and he traveled to a lot of places and he talked to literally millions of people. And in his writings, he tells us, be assured if you walk with him and you look to him and you expect help from him, he will never fail you. Can you imagine feeding 2,000 orphan children at a time and not ever asking anybody For financial help? I have five kids. It costs a lot of money to feed five kids. And and then there's diapers and all the things. 2,000 at a time. 10,000 just by the time of his death. And he never asked anybody but God for help. And God helped him. God provided everything that was needed for those children. If you walk with him and you look to him and you expect help from him, he will never fail you. There is the story of George Mueller on Right Now Media. It's part of the Torchlighter series. I, it's, it's for kids, but I really have enjoyed watching the Torchlighter series. I encourage you to go to that link or to go on Right Now Media and to look up George Mueller on the Torchlighter series and to watch. It's like 30 minutes. It won't take much of your day. And it is really encouraging. And it is really convicting on where we place our our trust and our hope. And that's what I want to leave you with today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you have given us today to read your word, to study your word, to try to understand what you have to say to us. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've given us all the answers that we need, and they're in your word. We just have to read it. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We ask that you would speak into our hearts, speak into our minds, speak into our lives, And help us to lean into you. Help us to trust you in all the ways that we've struggled to do. Help us to trust you in all the ways that we have failed to do. Help us, most of all, to give you the very first place in our heart. The very best fruits of our labor. To trust in you, our creator, rather than the things that you've created. We thank you. We praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we, we pray. Amen. You're right, the clicker doesn't work very well. So It does. So as, as we leave, just uh, an encouragement. I don't know what you know what all was going through your mind, but this was the, the thing that simply following Jesus is just it's a choice. It's a choice. Make a choice. And, and that's what it comes down to. We make it a whole lot harder than it has to be. So as we leave today... Let us choose to turn our eyes and our focus to Jesus in everything that we do. Go in peace and be blessed.